Welcome. You are listening to part one of Your World Burning Up, a six-part series on climate change. My name is Emma. And my name is Adam. We are students at the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools. Subject of our section today is fake news about climate change. Climate change is a seriously large problem that many people in the modern world refuse to acknowledge. As a result of people in power holding these beliefs, a large number of myths about climate change have been spreading to the public. We're here to discuss the five main myths circulating around climate change and how they're untrue. This is to help the public understand what to believe in these times. We will find an incredible amount of different information anywhere. The first myth is, climate scientists are just in it for the money. The sources found in each part of this podcast are volumes 1 and 2 of the 4th National Climate Assessment. This assessment is written entirely by volunteers who are not being paid to write it all 300 of them. Therefore, the myth that scientists are merely taking, talking about climate change for the money is untrue. The National Climate Assessment is based on facts, but other things you might hear can be false, which is why this section of the podcast series exists, to debunk these myths and inform you of the truth. Next myth. Change won't affect me. For everyone who believes that climate change won't affect them, it will. Without significant reductions, Earth's global temperature could rise by up to 9 degrees Fahrenheit by the end of this century. The sea will rise 1 to 4 feet by the end of this century as well, meaning that coastal homes will flood. Hurricanes and storms will become more frequent and and intense, replacing winter snow with winter rains. Everyone will be impacted. These natural disasters will hurt our homes, economy, and health. It will sink our coast and wash away our homes. It will leave us with nothing. Another myth. The climate has changed before. It's just a natural cycle. This is an incredibly popular opinion. Yes, climate change has happened before. It is a cycle. However, this is the fastest it's ever been. From 1901 to 2016, the Earth increased in temperature by 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit. By the end of this century, it will increase by 9 degrees Fahrenheit. That's an incredible difference way faster than before. And lastly, the most popular myth. It's cold outside. Global warming can't be real. This is an incredibly common opinion, especially during wintertime, when we can see record-breaking cold temperatures. There are many examples of this myth, especially on social media. We're going to talk about some tweets here from President Donald Trump. Our task is to tell you why these tweets are, in fact, incorrect. Here's one, and I quote, The freezing cold weather across the country is brutal. must be all that global warming. This is false. Weather is not climate. Weather is minute-by-minute changes in atmospheric conditions, whereas climate is your average yearly temperature over the years. Like, taking the average temperature. If you have a few cold days in a really hot year, your average temperature for that year is still going to be high, despite those few cold days. This cold weather is caused by climate change. The ice at the poles is melting causing the poles to warm up, but causing all the freezing weather that is usually kept at the poles to come down from the poles and cause, for example, a polar vortex like the one we had. This is caused by climate change. Another tweet directly quoting, Another freezing day in the spring. What is going on with global warming? Good move changing the name to climate change. Sad. This is also because of the difference between climate and weather. While the weather may be cold, the climate is warming over the years. So while you may be looking outside and thinking, hey, it's really cold out right now, that does not mean that global warming isn't a very real threat.
Global warming means that the overall temperature of the Earth is rising. There are still going to be cold days. That has nothing to do with whether or not global warming exists. If we don't start doing something now, it will have drastic consequences on the years to come. One more tweet. The concept of global warming was created by and for the Chinese in order to make U.S. manufacturing non-competitive. Global warming was not created by a country for business methods. Global warming is a serious problem that humans are responsible for making so dangerous. It's caused by greenhouse gases being produced by us and mixing into the atmosphere. The thick gases prevent heat rising from the earth from escaping. Some countries may have had a larger hand in creating it, and a large part of that is the U.S. Why would a country create a problem that is life-threatening to everyone just to do better in business? Global warming as the drastic event that we know it as has been created by humans. All humans. That is why you hear all of those announcements about reducing your carbon footprint. It's important. It's true. The announcements about us hurting the planet are not fake news. From the data given in this section, it's clear that the way that our planet is heating up, and it's our fault. Listen to this series so you can learn what's true about climate change. It is a real issue that you are living through now and will affect everything in times to come. Make it your job to decrease your carbon footprint. Spread the word. Share this podcast series. There are many ways that you can become a little bit more aware. Do your best and know that you can make a difference. Thank you for listening to part one of Your World Burning Up. Make sure to tune in for the next part. Welcome. You're listening to part two of a six-part series called Your World Burning Up. We'll be discussing our changing planet. Hello, my name is Connor Elligan. And I'm Lily Hundley. We are both from the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools in Chicago, Illinois, and we are in seventh grade. Today we will be talking about our change in climate and how it is becoming more and more of a problem and how to slow down our contribution to the problem. Natural climate change has been occurring all throughout history, but in recent years, global climate change has increased. 16 of the last 17 years have been the warmest ever recorded. For the next few decades, the change of the climate will depend a lot on the amount of greenhouse gases released into the environment. It will also depend on how many greenhouse gases are absorbed by things like the ocean, the biosphere, and other carbon sinks. It does take some time for Earth's climate system to fully respond to increased greenhouse gas concentrations. Even if these concentrations could be stabilized at a current level in the atmosphere, the amount is projected to result in at least an additional 1.1 degrees Fahrenheit of warming over this century, corresponding to the last few decades. In recent years, the global temperature has increased by 1.8 degrees Fahrenheit, and if in the next century... If no one takes action, the overall temperature of our planet will continue to increase. Annual average temperature over the contiguous United States has increased by 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit over the last few decades. Extreme high temperatures are predicted to increase even more than average temperatures. Cold waves are forecasted to become less intense and heat waves more intense. The number of days below freezing is estimated to decline, while the number of days above 90 degrees Fahrenheit is projected to rise. 
Oceans absorb 93% of the Earth's excess heat from human-induced warming since the mid-20th century and are currently absorbing more than a quarter of the carbon dioxide emitted to the atmosphere annually from human activities. This is making oceans more acidic and warmer, increasing the surface temperatures, rising sea levels, and changing patterns of participation. Winds, nutrients, and ocean circulations are contributing to the overall declining oxygen concentrations in many locations. Oceans take up approximately each year a quarter of the emitted CO2 to the atmosphere annually from human activities. In addition to higher temperatures and increasing acidification, Ocean oxygen levels are also declining in various ocean locations and in many coastal areas. This is due to a combination of increasing sea surface temperatures, rising sea levels, inundating coastal wetlands, and changing patterns of precipitation, winds, nutrients, and ocean circulation. Over the last 50 years, declining oxygen levels have been observed in many inland seas and nearshore coastal waters. This is concerning because oceans need oxygen for most of the life of the ocean. And without the ocean, the temperature in the atmosphere will increase because the ocean is not absorbing the carbon dioxide in the air put in by humans. There are visible ways you can tell that the climate is changing as well. The Arctic is particularly vulnerable to rising temperatures since so much of it is covered in ice and snow that begin to melt at temperatures crossing the freezing point. Since the 1960s, sea level rise has already increased the frequency of high tide flooding for several U.S. coastal communities. The more the Arctic warms, the more snow and ice melts, exposing the darker land and ocean underneath. The darker surface takes in more of the sun's energy than the reflective ice and snow, increasing the original warming in a self-reinforcing cycle. Over the last 50 years, the annual average air temperatures across Alaska and the Arctic have increased more than twice as fast as the global average temperature. As surface temperatures increase, the frozen ground is thawing permanently. This triggers another self-reinforcing cycle, carbon feedback, resulting in additional warming. Dramatic changes has occurred over the Greenland ice sheet as well, particularly at its edges. From 2002 to 2016, ice mass was lost at an average rate of 270 billion tons per year on average. Finally, much of the Arctic region is ocean that is covered by sea ice, and like land ice, sea ice is also melting. The annual minimum sea ice extent has decreased at a rate of 11% to 16% per decade. In addition, we are affecting the climate when we use gas-powered cars, power plants, and factories. This is resulting in rapid climate change. 97% of scientists believe that humans are the main cause of the increasing climate temperature. But a lot of people still refuse to believe in climate change. Climate change is real, and it is a problem that we cannot ignore. The global average sea level has risen about 7 to 8 inches since 1900 with almost half this rise occurring since 1993 as oceans have warmed and land-based ice has melted. The rate of sea level rise over the 20th century was higher than any other century in at least the last 2,800 years. Land-based ice is melting because the Earth is warming up due to climate change.
Dioxide in the air from humans doing things like burning coal and using gasoline-powered cars. Oh, no. As more and more carbon dioxide is released into the air, things greater than just your ice cream melting will happen. That's not good, right? Yes, we can do some things to slow down our contribution to climate change. What can we do? Well, first of all, more people can use solar panels on top of their homes and buildings. People can also use wind energy like windmills and turbines. So this will put less carbon dioxide in the air. Planting more trees and slow down cutting will also help, but we can also use hydropower. Hydropower is derived from energy of falling water or fast running water to create electricity. Less carbon dioxide and more oxygen reduces the atmospheric temperature. Overall, climate change is real and humans are the reason that the climate change has become such a big issue in recent years. If we continue to ignore the signs, we will be in very bad shape for the future. We need to do something now because this is a problem that is important now. Thank you for listening to part two of a six-part series called Our World Burning Up. Hello, welcome back to part three of our six-part podcast, Your World Burning Up. This podcast is produced by the 7th graders of the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools. It is about climate change. My name is Jacob. I'm Dante. And I'm William. So you've listened to the first two parts of our podcast about the fourth national climate assessment and how our climate is changing. This part of the podcast focuses more about water and, uh, and how it's being affected by climate change. So I think the biggest issue is that people aren't aware of how important water is. We rely on water for our daily lives for more uses than just consumption. We use water for other important tasks such as agriculture, aquaculture, and heat distribution. Climate change is decreasing the quality of agriculture and farming by lowering the quality of water resulting in a lower production of food. Agriculture is not the only factor affected by climate change, however. Aquatic life also depends on the quality and quantity of our water. There are also problems going on with the Great Lakes. Problems such as higher flood rates and harmful algal blooms are all issues that the Great Lakes are experiencing. There are harmful algal blooms, also known as HABs in Lake Erie, that affects the quality of the water. A direct quote from the 4th National Climate Assessment says, Storm water management systems and other critical infrastructure in the Midwest are already experiencing impacts from changing precipitation patterns and elevated flood risks. Another quote from the 4th National Climate Assessment says, Harmful algal blooms can, can introduce cyanobacteria, resulting in restrictions on access and use. In 2014, in Teledeo, Ohio, half a million people were warned to avoid drinking the water due to toxins overwhelming a water treatment plant in Lake Erie's western basin as a result of a harmful bloom. Conditions that encourage cyanobacteria growth, such as higher water temperatures, increased runoff, and nutrient-rich habitats are projected to increase in the Midwest. So a bit of uh, vocabulary that he used there uh, that you might not know was uh, cyanobacteria. Uh, that is a photosynthesizing bacteria that decreases the quality of water. And runoff is a water splitting into, from one stream into multiple other streams. Now focusing on the bigger picture, not necessarily just the Midwest, climate change can also lead to melting ice or glaciers. Therefore, there's an increased chance of getting more severe floods for people living on the coast. If sea level rises too much, people living on the coast will have to move inland. Extreme temperature and precipitation can also affect people in various aspects, and these events are almost certain to get more extreme. 
The fourth national climate assessment says the frequency and intensity of extreme high temperature events are virtually certain to increase in the future as global temperature increases. Extreme precipitation events will very likely continue to increase in frequency and intensity throughout most of the world. Some extremes of temperature and precipitation have already become more frequent, intense, or of longer duration, and many extremes are expected to continue to increase or worsen. Climate change also causes snow to melt much quicker than any natural causes of snow melt. According to the fourth National Climate Assessment, warming has resulted in a shift in timing of snow melt runoff to earlier in the year. Glaciers continue to melt in Alaska and the western United States. The snow melt runoff may cause nearby bodies of water to overflow. Melting glaciers will cause a rise in sea levels. There has been a trend toward earlier snowmelt and a decrease in snowstorm frequency. Winter storm tracks have shifted northward since 1950 over the northern hemisphere. Oceans are also affected by climate change. Ocean warmth has increased since the 1960s and surface waters have warmed by about 0.7 degrees Celsius per century globally since 1900. Ocean acidification, warming, and oxygen loss are all increasing. Both oxygen loss and acidification may be greater in U.S. coastal waters in relation to the global average, increasing the risk of serious ecological consequences. The management of water in our country is another contributing factor to jeopardizing water security. If there is no change in how we manage our water, hydrologic drought is possible by the end of the century. This means that there will be a lack of water if you couldn't tell. The fourth national climate assessment says annual trends toward earlier spring melts and reduced snowpack are already affecting water resources in, in the western United States, and these trends are expected to continue. Under higher scenarios and assuming no change to current water resource manage, management, chronic long-duration hydrological drought is increasingly possible before the end of this century. There are methods of adaptation and mitigation that might, can be done. One approach to changing this is to focus on managing reliability better. Forecasting of predictable and near-future hydrologic conditions can provide the start for adaptive reservoir operations. Long-term planning focuses on identifying and managing weaknesses and changes to a large amount of unpredictable or future conditions. Quoting the fourth National Climate Assessment, major water utilities provide examples of planning that focus on identifying and managing vulnerabilities to a wide range of uncertain future conditions rather than evaluating performance for a single future. Actions taken by communities are another way that could result in a positive change. Adequate maintenance and providing supplies for rural communities that lack resources are always the larger community can help these areas prepare for the future. Even though water quality and quantity is decreasing, there is still time to change. For instance, one can provide donations to environmental agencies, turn off the tab so that the water doesn't waste, among many other things that you can do. Thank you for listening to our part of the podcast, and if you care about water or even climate change in general, it's still not too late to act. Please continue to listen to all six parts of our podcast on climate change if you want to learn more about global climate change issues. Hi, and welcome to the human health portion of Your World Burning Up podcast. My name is Sam. My name is Bella. And my name is David. We are coming to you from the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools and we are going to tell you about how climate change will affect human health. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the many effects that climate change has on the human body. For example, we will talk about how it affects food, natural disasters, and diseases. Natural disasters affect the body in many ways. The main way is death. Our first topic is food, water, and air, and how they will be affected by climate change. Climate change will increase the amount of salmonella and other food-related diseases, because of the rapid change in average temperatures, 
rainfall, and climate extremes. And since climate change will make a lot of places uninhabitable, bugs will move towards farmlands and they will eat the food. Climate change will also affect the price of the food we eat, because as the food becomes rarer, the price rises. And in addition, more of it will become inedible as the heat increases. Global warming will also affect the water we drink because of the increase in carbon dioxide will make most fresh water more acidic as well, which will make some of it undrinkable. Drinking more acidic water may result in diarrhea, liver damage, kidney damage, and respiratory damage. And since the air will have more carbon dioxide and less oxygen and less trees to add to oxygen in the air, a large portion of air will become unbreathable to humans. Places previously unaffected by waterborne diseases, thanks to cooler water, will, be, will become affected. Climate change will also affect the, uh, the amount of airborne allergens in the air, such as ragweed pollen, which will trigger people's allergies. One-third of the U.S. population is affected by allergenic illnesses, and a large fraction of those people are allergic to pollen. Climate change will also increase the amount of heat-related de deaths drastically mainly because of heat strokes and other heat-related diseases. These will be caused by the increase in heat waves, which global warming will cause. Heat waves will increase in length and intensity and will happen much more often. The number of heat waves has gone up drastically since the 1960s. The amount of cold waves has decreased drastically. This will increase the amount of heat-related diseases by a wide margin. These heat-related diseases include cardiovascular, respiratory, and tin cerebrovascular disease. Skin cancer will also become much more common because of the heat, increase in heat. Climate change will lead to tens of thousands more heat-related deaths per year by the end of this century. Climate change will lead to vector-borne diseases becoming extremely common because climate change will make everyone gather in small areas because of oceans rising. Because that includes bugs, which includes diseases, vectors like fleas, mosquitoes, and ticks, which will infect everyone. Some of these diseases include malaria, dengue, hay fever, Zika, and West Nile virus. When we have so many people gathered in so many diseases, each of these diseases will spread like wildfire. The amount of natural disasters that occur will also increase. These include natural disasters such as hurricanes, droughts, and floods. These changes are happening so quickly and drastically that they'll have a negative impact on humans. For example, this change will result in trillions of dollars in damage, people moving, causing inland places to become way more crowded, as well as death. The reason that hurricanes will become more common is because of the increase in precipitation and water vapor that in the air that global warming will cause. The increase in floods will be caused by the ice melting and the ocean level rising. And the amount of droughts will increase because places which are already extremely hot and that already get minimal rain will be so hot and so dry that the droughts will last months. There will also be a large increase in the amount of ground level ozone. Ground level ozone can inflame airwaves, airways, damage lung tissue, cause a variety of respiratory problems and decrease lung function altogether. The abrupt changes in ozone may result in tens of thousands of deaths caused by it by the year 2030. As well as physical health, mental health will also be affected by climate change. The increase in climate change will cause more deaths, which will cause more drama as more young children will lose parents. Some things that can affect your mental health include depression and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, 
that can be caused by the amount of natural disasters and the deaths related to them. More children will lose their parents young to disease and storms too, which could permanently affect them. Everyone will be affected by global warming, but certain people will be affected more than others. Who will be affected more? The number of people that will be affected more is determined by vulnerability factors. There are three vulnerability factors. Those factors are exposure, sensitivity, and adaptive capacity. For example, people who are more exposed will be affected more, and people who are more sensitive to the increased sun rays and hotter weather will also be affected more. And people who have less of an adaptive capacity will be less able to adapt to the abrupt changes in the weather. Despite the vulnerability factors, pregnant women, children, and older people will also be affected more, no matter what, because their bodies are less able to regulate their temperatures. In conclusion, there are many factors related to climate change that affect all human health for the worse. More diseases, natural disasters, less good food, and less good water. More depression, less good air to breathe, and more ground-level ozone. But thankfully, there are ways to decrease your carbon footprint. Nonprofit organizations such as Greenpeace USA and Conserve America can make this problem smaller, as well as the Chrome extension Ecosia that plants a tree every 40 searches you make. Ecosia planted 53.9 million trees of plant, and counting. Finally, we hope you take into account how important it is to talk about climate change and bring awareness to it. We hope that you have learned something today, and we hope that you will take into account the information that you have learned here and tell others about the dangers of climate change. Thank you for listening to our part of the Your World Burning Up podcast. Please be sure to listen to all six parts of Your World Burning Up to get a better understanding of climate change. You are listening to part five of a six-part series on Your World Burning Up. We have Kinsey, Hannah, and Natalie here today to talk about agriculture and climate change. So Hannah, what is agriculture? Why is it so important? Agriculture is the science or practice of farming, including cultivation of the soil for the growth of crops and the rearing of animals to provide wool and other products. Truly fascinating. The economy probably relies strongly on agriculture. Am I right? Yes, agriculture is a huge part of the economy. It promotes food and energy security to provide jobs in rural communities all across the country. In rural communities where economies are more tightly interconnected with agriculture than with other places, they are more vulnerable to the agriculture volatility related to climate. As you can see, agriculture has a huge impact on jobs, rural communities, and animal products. Interesting. In what ways does agriculture affect animals? Well, animals raised for food need to be housed in climate-controlled environments, so that will raise the cost of animal products. Half of the farm's revenue comes from livestock. Plus, crops, livestock, and seafood contribute about $300 billion to the economy a year. Now that we are aware of how important agriculture is and how we apply it to our everyday lives, I'll bring up the burning question. How does climate change affect agriculture? Climate change affects agriculture because agriculture relies on nutrient levels, soil moisture, and water availability in order to grow crops. If climate change keeps going on, changes in frequency and severity of droughts and floods can threaten food safety. Climate change makes it more difficult to grow crops, raise animals, and catch fish. It basically limits your food supply. Wow, these things seem relevant, and if they get worse, they could have a negative effect on us as humans. So how exactly does climate change and agriculture affect humans? Great question, Kinsey. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Based off of what you both told me, I think I can answer this one. 
Most of humans' food relies on agriculture. Climate change can disrupt food availability and can affect food quality challenges to human and livestock health are growing because of the increased frequency and intensity of high temperature extremes. Extreme heat conditions contribute to heat exhaustion, heat stroke, and heart attacks in humans. These can have major impacts on human health. So if humans are very affected by this, I can't even imagine how animals are being affected. Can you explain that furthermore? I sure can. Animals are also sensitive to the intensity of high temperature extremes. More animals will die from these heat stress related issues, pushing food costs up. Especially dairy cows will die. All of these changes threaten future gains in commodity crop production and put rural livelihoods at risk. From 2010 through 2015, a historical number of rural counties experienced population declines, and recent demographic trends point to relatively slow employment and population growth in rural areas, as well as high rates of poverty. This is real. I completely agree, Kenzie. There will be an increase in price rates and food shortages will occur along with shortages of animal products or any other product that requires farming slash growing. We need to make a change. Are there any other things that will affect agriculture due to climate change? Weather definitely is another factor that affects climate change, which will later affect agriculture. Extreme changes in temperature affect the growth of plants that aren't able to adapt fast enough. Changes in rainfall patterns will also affect the growth of crops. There will also be more extreme weather, such as flooding and drought. These have effects on soil for farming. This could also lead to weed, pests, and disease pressures producing even fewer crops and of less quality. There will also be a degradation of soil and water resources. Crop production is threatened by excessive runoff, leaching, and flooding. This could result in soil erosion and decreased water quality. Thanks for telling me, Kinsey. What can we do to reduce these negative effects? Well, to reduce these negative effects, there are plenty of mitigation or adaption, adaptation strategies to mitigate and adapt to climate change range from an individual to local, national, and global efforts. What is mitigation? Well, mitigation is the action of reducing the severity of something, in this case, climate change in our carbon footprint. We can keep going on and on about how climate change affects agriculture and ways to prevent it. All of these are very important ideas that I think everyone should know. To sum this up, what would you say is the major thing that climate change is affecting agriculture or is the most important? I would definitely say our crops. Crops provide us with food, feed grain, oil, and fiber, which are very important for humans. Next, I would say human health, getting healthy foods, and our food safety shouldn't be threatened. These are all major things. Look around you. Our planet is dying. We need your help. It all starts with you. Now that you know agriculture is a huge part of our lives, and all these problems are real-life problems happening in the world today, you should now know that you are a part of a bigger picture of our changing planet. I hope you will now do everything you can to better our climate-changing world. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Please make sure you listen to Part 6 on risks, adaptive practices, and mitigation for more information. Hello everyone, my name is Sasha. My name is Celine. And my name is Aiden. We are very excited to be talking to you from the University of Chicago Laboratory Schools. We are here as the last part of a six-part podcast on climate change called Your World Burning Up. 
We hope you enjoy the final segment, Risk Reduction. As a disclosure, we would like to inform all listeners that any of the information heard in the following podcast can be found in the National Climate Assessment, Volume 4. All of the information in the National Climate Assessments have been vetted by 13 federal agencies, including NASA and the Department of Energy. Our topic of discussion today is risk reduction, specifically in the Midwest. First, however, we would like to briefly give our listeners an idea of just what climate change is. Many scientists for many years have worked to figure out the cause of climate change, and all the answers point to human interference. The greenhouse gases we, as humans, are putting into the atmosphere are greatly affecting the Earth. Everything from melting ice to extreme weather is occurring due to climate change. When looking at where climate change is at right now, we see that there is not much action to reduce our carbon footprint. This is very worrisome. Climate change is outpacing us, and we are taking too long to understand that it is affecting us. Our planet's condition is rapidly decreasing, and we have not even seen the worst of it. We, however, hope that in listening to this podcast that you might be inspired to take action. We've spent a lot of time looking into changes in the Earth and how to reduce future risk. Currently, climate change has not been only affecting the environment, but across the United States, climate change has also been affecting communities, businesses, the economy, and the government. In this segment, we are going to be looking particularly closely at how all of these things are affected in the Midwest and how to reduce the risk climate change holds for the future. It is important for us to focus on adaptation when thinking of these threats to the environment. The National Climate Assessment refers to adaptation as the actions taken at an individual, local, regional, or national level to reduce risk from changing climate conditions and to prepare for impacts from additional changes projected for the future, whether this means managing short-term or long-term risks. Adaption has five general stages, which include awareness, assessment, planning, and implementation, monitoring, monitoring, and evaluating. These five stages do not always occur one after another, but they certainly build on one another. These five steps are part of an ongoing process in which individuals or groups of people repeatedly cycle through the five parts. In the third National Climate Assessment, which was released in 2014, scientists found that the awareness, assessment, and planning seemed the way to be underway through the United States. But implementation, adaption, the process of putting up climate change reduction plans to action was not. Integrating climate adaptation into existing policies and practices such as planning, budgeting, policy development, operations, and maintenance would definitely be a start. In fact, we have already seen mainstreaming of climate adaptation to many things such as engineering standards, disaster risk management, capital investment, and military planning, to name a few. All this is not to say that we have completely accomplished our goal, however, but we have at least started to be aware of our actions to reduce risk. With the level of greenhouse gases we are emitting into the atmosphere, we need to be moving quicker with putting plans into action. Human-caused carbon pollution has already pushed many climate influence events outside of the range of recorded natural variability. Along with that, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases may reside in the air for many decades. With the, this calls for creating conditions where altering or changing policies and resources regarding the ecosystem should be more open for change. In other words, we need to be prepared to adapt. 
There are two major obstacles in the way of adaptation's progress. First is that it's hard to obtain the necessary funds for pro-environmental resources. The builders, planners, engineers, architects, politicians, and lots of other people find it hard to budget in more costly, eco-friendly materials and plans. Although, in general, using environmentally friendly products would help mitigate climate change. By paying a little more financially for a much more pro-environmental resource, businesses and communities are helping to protect themselves and the environment from serious weather-related disasters in the long run. The second major challenge is a large part of the population is still not convinced that climate change is real. Sometimes there are even people actively working against adaptation. This is very serious for the environment, as climate change is not something that will start to show its effects Uh, in a few decades. It's showing its effects right now, and the earth is getting worse by the day. Effective adaptation can not only help save the environment, but it also enhances social and economic welfare. Health, equity, security, and education will all be improved when we start to focus some more on the environment. The amount of extreme events and disastrous storms that have occurred because of climate change are affecting so many people. Already states are seeing the impacts from climate change, and many of those effects are predicted to increase. By the middle of the century, the yearly loss could reach hundreds of billions of dollars for the United States. So now that you know the real risk of climate change, we want to talk to you about ways for successful adaption implementation. In current years, there has been some increase in adaption. There are three main reasons for this. One, the growing awareness and realization of the effects of climate change. Two, the wide recognition of the economical advantages of investing in adaptation. And three, the increasing number of extreme events that have occurred due to this change. We hear all of these things, but it's easy for smaller businesses and communities to say, this won't affect us. However, this is not at all true. Making people aware of climate change is hard, but actually changing the mindsets of millions of people is even harder. Climate change presents an unfamiliar new idea and therefore creates uncertainty. Many factors play into the uncertainty, such as not being familiar with climate change concepts or not being able to differentiate weather from climate. The smallest of things can make climate change seem made up, or in other cases, it it is just easier to deny that climate change is real. To grapple with the tough and brutal topic of climate change, various groups have adopted the idea of iterative risk management. National Climate Assessment Volume 4 states that iterative risk management emphasizes that the process of anticipating, planning, and responding is not just a single action taken one point at a time, but rather an ongoing cycle of assessment, action, reassessment, learning, uh, and response. The following three steps have helped many people and have been proven an effective way of risk reduction. The first is to reduce exposure, meaning reduce the presence of people or assets in a certain location that could negatively impact that could be negatively impacted by climate change. The second is to reduce sensitivity, that is to do your best to lower vulnerability a system or community has to climate change. This will lessen the harsh impacts while you work to reduce them. The third is to increase adaptive capacity. This means that we have to heighten the ability for humans to adjust, respond, and recover from climate impacts. The the natural world is also included in this step. 
So let's look at an example provided by the National Climate Assessment that includes the use of all three of these steps in iterative risk management. The Superstorm Sandy hit New York and left a large region in a devastating condition. New York has since made many changes to help prevent something like Superstorm Sandy from happening again. To reduce the future risks of flood, New York City has reduced many potential flood impacts by relocating quite a few households out of the most flood-prone areas. New York City has also raised the height of some structures above the ground that, so they suffer less of an impact from any flooding. This is, this is an example of reducing sensitivity. And per the third step, increase adaptive capacity, New York City trained officials responsible for revising building codes, laws, and policies to use the most current assessments of flood risk. Thinking in broader terms, we understand that the different cities and towns will react differently to different impacts, but we are trying to follow these steps to both prevent and help repair. Some from a natural disaster can be very effective and helpful. Well thought out and careful adaptation can provide many benefits to society and communities. Poor communities or higher populous cities are often at larger risk of climate-inflicted disasters. It is hard for them to pay for repairs and anticipate what they will need to build. But when those areas are given more support, they can benefit. In other words, the good outweighs the bad, and spending the money will help communities in the long run. So let's look at how communities in the Midwest are affected. The specific Midwest region includes Minnesota, Iowa, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan, and is home to over 60 million people. Some of the biggest effects of climate change we are seeing in the Midwest are the increase of heavy rains that are leading to more soil erosion and the nutrition loss in cropland, the vulnerability of their ecosystem to droughts, and the temperature change and how it is affecting one of the Midwest's biggest water supplies, the Great Lakes. Learning to cope with and understand climate change is the first step in confronting the matter. Adaptation can be seen in many places, but is most prominent in local settings. This is because adapting is very relevant to geography, and each region presents new challenges specific to that place. That is why it is easier and more efficient to have more local governments and communities focusing on the climate impacts in their region. Communities also focus more of their actions to address current or past extreme events and not so much preparing for the future. The private and public sector decision makers also often assume that future climate will resemble the recent past, an assumption often called stationarity. This means that when, say, a city is building a dam, the water agency might predict water levels to be around the same as they are currently. But the current rate of climate change water levels are going to rise dramatically. And when this happens, the community community will be unprepared. The risk of climate change depends on decisions communities make today to help the risk of help reduce the effects of future climate change. The two things communities and cities need to be focusing on right now is how to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and how to adapt and prepare for both current and future climate change. This will help mitigate climate risk. We urge listeners to contact the local mayor, police department, governor, alderman, congressmember, or really anyone that is there to listen to you. It's important that we help to make people aware of the steps they can take to reduce risk.
small things can make a huge difference in communities. The best thing that you can do in your community is spread the word about climate change and what you can do. Make sure to listen to the other five parts of this podcast series to learn more about climate change. Thank Thank you for listening. listening.